0: Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast with Hal Elrod. I'm your host Nick Paulkusky, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you will learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning. A Hall of Fame business achiever, an international keynote speaker ultra marathon runner, and the founder of VIPsuccesscoaching.com, Mr. Hal
1: Elrod. All right, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, welcome. This is your host, Hal Elrod, and uh, thank you for tuning in to what is sure to be an eye-opening and surprisingly fun episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast, this will be a little different than anything we've ever done before. Uh, I do have a guest. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for a few minutes to tell you who that is. And the topic of the podcast today revolves around uh, my favorite sport, and specifically around the number one star, if you will, the one of the top fighters in the world. And uh, when it comes to my favorite sport, as many of you may know, I am a huge fan of the sport known as MMA. Which stands for Mixed Martial Arts, or what's popularly known as the UFC, which is the kind of the NBA of Mixed Martial Arts, Ultimate Fighting Championship. And that's the organization that founded the sport in 1993. Uh, most people that have known me for a long time are surprised when they first learn that I'm a fan of, you know, Ultimate Fighting. You know, that I'm like I'm a very non-violent person. Uh, I've never been in a fight in my life. Uh, I think that uh, actually my guest and I today have we've wrestled around a couple of times, but uh, never been a fight in my life. And and we so never,
2: we never actually touched each other. Though. We
1: never touched each other. Just mind wrestling.
2: Yeah, we, we I think we we threatened to wrestle and then we both yeah. kind of wiss out. You do always
1: look at me and you're like, "Dude, what if we were to fight?" And I'm like, I, I would, "Actually, we did. You know, we should throw that out there. By the way, this is John Berghoff, my uh, my good friend and the co-founder of the co-creator, I should say, of the Best Year Ever Blueprint Live event. And the yeah john no when we we saw each other a few weeks ago in las vegas uh we did say that we would hold a charity fight i think we i think we shook on that a charity mixed martial arts fight in an octagon to raise money for the front row foundation so um i'm still game if you are Uh, i'm game if you are although i could see us getting in there and just walking around in circles and kind of poking each other and going i can't hit you i can't hit you uh, anyway, all right, so, so I want to dive back in for a second. I am I, so passionate about the sport of mixed martial arts that uh, and John can attest. I am always trying to convince my friends if they if they're not into it, if they don't get it. I'm always trying to like, explain to them why it's such a special sport. And, you know, usually it's they have the same opinion I had, which is you know, I don't I'm not a fighter. I don't like fighting. I don't like violence. Why would you want to watch people fight? And it's really not about that. Obviously, it's mixed martial arts. So just for those that aren't clear on what that is, it's people that have mastered uh, about five to seven different disciplines, combat disciplines. So we're talking about they have to master uh, wrestling. They have to master boxing. They have to master submissions in jiu-jitsu. They have to master kickboxing. They have to ma- – right? So there's all these different – sports that they master and then when they're in a competition, you don't know which your opponent's going to use. You don't know if they're gonna try to wrestle you, or if they're gonna try to box you, or if they're gonna try to kick you, or if they're gonna try to take you down, or if they're gonna try to submit you. You don't know. And so what makes this sport so special, it really is the ultimate form of competition. There's no other sport that tests you physically, mentally and emotionally the way that MMA does. And it'd be kind of like, here's the analogy I give, it'd be kind of like having to have a sport where you could use, you know, it'd be like combining baseball, basketball, hockey. And you had to be, to be the best, you had to be as good at Michael Jordan was at basketball, as good at Tiger Woods was back in the day at golf, as good as Wayne Gretzky was at hockey, right? As good, as, you know, on and on. And and, and, and and be good at all of them. So that's what makes it so special. And And the thing is, you have to not only master many different disciplines, but the discipline that's required for you to train, these guys train six, seven, eight hours a day, five, six, seven days a week. And and then we're going to dive here into the mindset that's required to push through the adversity to achieve the goals that these athletes So whether you're a diehard MMA fan uh, you know, in the UFC like I am, or you're repulsed by the idea of two people engaging in a fistfight, getting into a cage, uh, or you're indifferent, whatever camp you're in, what we're going to talk about today is relevant for you. It's about the mindset of specifically one man who has achieved extraordinary goals in a very short period of time. You're going to learn how someone has gone from completely broke and unknown to a multi-millionaire in under two years. From unknown to world famous, from a 20-year-old with a vision of living the life of his dreams to now living that life. And that gentleman's name is Conor McGregor. He's 26 years old. He's the interim champion of the UFC. And uh, John and I, he by the way, Conor is the individual I showed John a video and by the end of the video, John was fascinated by this individual, and, uh, and that's what got him interested in the UFC. We went and saw Conor fight in Boston, and uh, we sat third row in Boston to watch Conor fight with our good friend John, uh, what's John's last name? Vroman. Vroman. I almost car said John accident. McGregor. I have a car accident. Yeah. Brain damage. Uh, John Roman and uh, and then John Berghoff and I with our good friend Matt Recor and our friend David Osborne. Uh, the four of us, we all went in, uh, to the UFC in Las Vegas, which was just incredible. 16,000 people in the arena. I think, what John, how many were from Ireland? Do you remember the number that were from Ireland?
2: it was a lot of them at least 20
1: 30%. Like 3000 felt like 100%. It was crazy. I mean the whole yeah every every time we got in the elevator to go down you know stairs it's it's a uh, rowdy loud Irish folk uh you know yeah. drinking beer and yelling and it was They it was, were wonderful people. They, they were, were wonderful. They were it was it was amazing. Guys. Yeah, it was yeah. it was really I really yeah in fact the, the the energy from their culture that what they brought to the to the to the experience was 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 incredible. So um hey, John
2: Hal, just just to give perspective I don't, I don't have the figures in front of me but for for your listeners i mean the revenue that was generated i think at, at the gate meaning like ticket sales was somewhere over seven million dollars yep. and the pay-per-view revenue was you know off the charts a record-setting performance but just to give everyone an idea i mean the in the boxing world everybody knows about floyd mayweather and uh, some of his big fights and i i believe that this ufc fight surpassed if it didn't surpass it's it's right next to many of the biggest boxing fights that have ever been held in Las Vegas in fact I think the only bigger uh pay-per-view event was a Tyson fight so I'm just trying to create some perspective that this this is a sport that a lot of people view as uh it's always been kind of on the fringe and I don't know maybe it is I'm I'm I, I'm far from an expert. I'm barely even a fan. You just got me into this. But I just Wait, why did I
1: invite sure, you on the podcast? I don't again? know. I'm I not really know. qualified.
2: <laughs> but uh, I just want to make sure people get it that this is uh, this is huge. This is a big deal. What's just happened? And Hal, I also want to add that, um, and I don't know if you said this directly, but. For your listeners, I mean, this call and our discussion is really about peak performance. It's yeah. about human potential. It's it's not about fighting. Sure. Uh, that just happens to be the vehicle through which we're going to be talking about Conor McGregor, who has been masterful and wildly entertaining. If there was like a secondary goal to this call, Hal, I think it's to inspire your audience to go. Maybe in your show notes, why don't you put some links to some of the best conor mcgregor interviews they don't need to watch him fight just listen to him speak and it makes you want to see more of him
1: yeah no he's uh yeah he's he's incredibly dynamic and 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 we're going to talk about the you know how he's again how he's achieved this is the achieve your goals podcast obviously that's what we want to talk about is really breaking down this guy's psychology his mindset his habits his you know his focus what are the what are the keys that have allowed him to go from obscurity no one knew who he was two years ago when he got in the ufc to now being the number one draw in the entire sport, and yeah, he it was uh, he he broke as John mentioned he broke the record for I believe it was the number one uh, attendance uh, and gate for any fight ever, even be it breaking Floyd Ray you know Floyd Mayweather's record. In fact, he has a funny quote that uh, somebody asked him if he would how he would do in a fight against Floyd Mayweather. And I think he said it would take him 30 seconds to beat Floyd Mayweather in a fight I think if I remember oh that would be great oh gosh yeah to see, huh? I would pay to, I, we would go to that one so so John so let I'd love for you to start um in terms of what makes Connor McGregor so special what what is allowing him to surpass every goal you know ever achieved by anyone else in his position
2: yeah well um, I'm like I said I'm bar- I don't know if I have if I'm qualified to watch that, well, let me talk about my qualifications. Yeah, I, I, I probably am like much of your audience. How that a year ago, I had no interest in UFC fighting. I actually, I, I still don't consider myself a legitimate UFC fan. Um, but I have become really interested, I guess, in Conor and in indirectly, I'm in, into the UFC. But I can't name more than a few other fighters. Sure. I know you're you're much more connected to it all. But but. You got me into this by inviting me to see Conor in Boston. And in uh, the, the pure excitement of it was just fascinating. And then we went and saw him in Vegas, as, as you just described. And so I've come to appreciate him. I, and I will say that every single highlight video that you've asked me to watch as like a requirement before we went to the fight, <laughs> I've watched. And so I've probably spent way too much time.
1: Hours and hours and hours and of Conor <laughs>
2: McGregor videos. Um, And and I guess there's a few. We should describe Connor to your audience, because all we've said is, hey, he's this like crazy guy that is setting records and has done great things. But let's describe his personality, because I think it's it's what uh, got me interested and probably has gotten many people interested in the sport. I mean, he is uh, he has a level of confidence that I'm guessing there's a large percentage of people that that watch him and they don't label it as confidence. They label it as arrogance or cockiness. Um, but what's interesting is he participates in a sport where I guess some would argue that you have to have confidence that you're going to go into that cage and come out victorious because any, any, um, wavering in that confidence could be deadly, you know? And so I thought I, at first when I got to know him, I thought, wow, his confidence is fascinating. He, I think he reminds many folks of Muhammad Ali who would talk as though there was never any possibility that he would ever lose to anybody at any time,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, which, you know, we should talk about how much of that is legitimate confidence, how much of it is Conor a, uh, a, an intelligent business person. I think it's both. Yeah, I think he understands that if he, if he draws people into the business um, that, you know, he will get he'll get rewarded for that and he actually openly talks about that too
1: yeah the i mean john we're on the same page the first thing that i wrote down in terms of connor's you know secrets if you will to achieving his goals is extraordinary self-belief and and that that he manifests that you know he verbalizes that extraordinary self-belief in confidence but it really is when you listen to the announcers talk about him or when you listen to him talk uh, you know at first you're you're you know, you're almost going. Oh, this guy must just be talking. But when I've been studying the guy, watching him for a year, and I've never seen him break confidence. I've never seen. You know, you can always you you can see it in someone's eyes. You see you see UFC competitors. You know, fighters talking a big game all the time, but you can just sense there's an incongruency in their physiology. You know, they're going. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna win. I, I, I'm the best in the world. You know, gulp right as they swallow, or try try to muster up the. You know, they're faking it until they make it and and Connor uh, through affirmations and visualization it's interesting i mean so many of the miracle morning practices i mean he does you know he talks a lot about the law of attraction and visualization he's
2: probably read the book i'm he's, sure he's read
1: the that book. is probably we got to get him a copy we got to get him in the documentary yeah good idea john um so uh, so yeah that extraordinary self belief and here's the interesting thing about self belief um you do have to fake it till you make it right you do have to just you just create it you just decide like confidence is something that you just decide from this moment on I'm choosing to believe and say nothing other than I'm going to reach my goal no matter what, there is no other option, right? That, that, I call that, that's one of the elements of the miracle equation, I call it the miracle mantra, which is just, I'm going to achieve my goal no matter what, there's no other option. And whenever you hit an obstacle, instead of going, oh my gosh, what if this means I'm going to fail, You just decide in advance that language isn't allowed to come out of your mouth. You're going to reach your goal no matter what. There is no other option. And it's not the reason most people are afraid to say that because of the possibility they could fail. But people like Conor McGregor, the world's greatest minds, you know, the world's greatest athletes, they just made a decision at some point. They're like, okay, I'm in this sport or I'm in this, you know, I'm in this life. I've got this goal. Well, what will increase the likeliness of me achieving it is if I make the decision that the only thing I'm allowed to speak is that it's going to happen regardless of the fact that, yeah, it might not happen. You know, so, so that's, yep. you know, and I think, John, I mean, I've seen you from a young age, right? You've, you've achieved these amazing goals. I've, I've talked about you a ton on the podcast. Um, but, uh, but what's your opinion on how someone listening can develop that, that type of self-belief and confidence that Connor has?
2: Yeah, well, I, I love hearing you talk about it, Hal, because it, is, it does come down to that self-belief. I think you just described something that there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of truth and validity to what you're talking about, which is that the way that we talk about something, it's kind of a circular effect. And there's almost no point in trying to figure out what happens first, my attitude, my thoughts, or my actions. Because let's just say they all keep impacting each other, and we really have to pay attention to all of them so I think a lot of it has to do with our self-talk I think a lot of it has to do with how we talk to others about our goals and our beliefs about our goals uh, and then it has to do with making sure we align our actions and how none of us are perfect. I, I think about a, a close friend of ours who I remember meeting with not long ago and I was talking with him about a business venture that he was launching and you know one of his challenges is he has one business that is really successful and he's looking to start another and just in sitting and talking with him, the words that he was using and starting this other business, he was just openly saying, this might not work. I'm not sure if this will work. And even if his actions are in alignment, which I, if I had to bet, I would say they're not as in alignment as they could be if just by the nature of that kind of language, even if his thinking is in alignment, which again, if I had to bet, it's probably not based on that external language. The point is even if everything's great, if he keeps speaking that way, then that will impact his thinking and his behaviors. And so I think it's what we say to other people. It's what we say to ourselves and how we behave. These things all kind of come together and play into, our, uh, into being able to fulfill that extreme belief. I think it's
1: a big deal. It's, you, know, you could sum it up as it's, it's, we speak our lives into existence right? We Mm -hmm. speak our lives into it. We speak our goals into existence. Whatever you say is is what's real. And and, and as far as accepting the possibility that something might not happen, I think it's important to acknowledge that, but you don't perpetuate the thought. So if I can give an example, I was doing an interview yesterday. They were asking me about my my car accident and, and being told I would never walk again and how I, three weeks later, I took my first step. And really, two weeks after I was conscious. And I decided, okay, I I spent a day or two going, okay, what's the worst case scenario? I might never walk again, okay? That would mean I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, okay, Uh, what, what, what would be the best way to handle that? Well, I would have to accept it and just be happy and grateful that I was alive despite being in a wheelchair. And that was it, I went, okay, that's the worst case scenario, I've worked through it in my head, I've processed it, I've accepted it, so therefore it has no more power over me. But then all of my energy, all of my focus, all of my visualization went into walking again. It didn't matter that it was possible that I didn't walk. I didn't think about that possibility. I only thought about the other possibility, which is I could walk again. That's a possibility. Might have, might have to be a miracle, whatever, but everything went into that. And so I think for you, that for anybody listening, you accept the worst case scenario and you accept it and you make peace with it. You say, okay, if, if that, comes to play, I get it, that could happen, but then from that moment forward, all of your energy is focused not on what you don't want, not on what you're afraid of, not on what could go wrong, but literally 99.9 if not 100% of your energy, your attention, your emotion is focused on visualizing and imagining and speaking into existence the goals that you have in in your life. All right, so, uh, the second thing that I had down, <laughs> 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 uh, this yeah, is what they uh, this don't is know a,
2: is I can see you in the video and I can tell you were waiting for me to like jump in right there. Yeah, go, you're gonna,
1: awesome. It's great. This is uh, everyone. I just wa- I want everyone really, really tune in because this is the last time you'll ever hear from John Berghoff on the podcast. So this is kind of a monumental, uh, you know, uh, farewell episode. So So really, right. really soak it in.
2: Let's talk about uh, one observation I made, Hal, that you and I were talking about earlier is um, Connor's, the way he trains. And I think there's a lot of lessons to learn in this, not just if you happen to have goals related to your energy or vitality or fitness, which you know, is an area that I, I, your, your listeners are the type of people that are probably all attracted to continuously improving those areas, Um, But just the approach in general, I think, is fascinating. And what I'm talking about specifically, Hal, is how Connor approaches his physical training in such a holistic manner. In other words, if you were to ask somebody on the street, you know, like myself six months ago before I got into this, how do UFC fighters train? I may have guessed or speculated, and I think a lot of people would speculate that uh, you know, they, they probably do a lot to work on their uh, aerobic training, their anaerobic training, and, and maybe they stretch and do a few other things. But Connor, and you can actually watch a few YouTube, uh, you can find videos where you watch like a 45-minute workout of his, and I've done this. And what's fascinating is you can watch him do exercises for 20 to 30 minutes that to most folks, even people who work out every day, they have no idea what he's doing. And the lesson in there is how creative and holistic his approach is to training. This is one of several lessons. So, and I can relate to this, Hal, as you know. In the past, I've run ultra marathons, and I remember one, the first time I attempted a hundred-mile ultra marathon. I, uh, at, at that time in my life, my business ha- was placing so many demands on my time that. I, the, the one thing I did was yoga and it sounds crazy, but I did hot yoga at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, a little bit of running, but a fraction of what most ultra marathon runners would do. And I did really well completing that first hundred miler. It was 27 hours straight of running. Um, and it's crazy to think about it, but Connor, his approach to training is almost that radical. It's, you don't see him. Yeah, he's working aerobically, anaerobically, but he does yoga every day. He does Pilates every day. He has three or four different types of, um, uh, of stretching routines that he mixes in that are very creative and unique. And I just want to point that out because it's, it's inspiring how I think oftentimes we oversimplify what it takes to be great. I think We want things to be easy. Mm. We want there to be shortcuts. And we want to think that we can be the best in the world by just doing more of what we've been doing. And you go watch Connor work out, and it's a whole bunch of stuff that most people have never seen. And it's a great reminder that we often might make wrong assumptions, too. When we look at people who are successful, um, we might make faulty assumptions as to what did they do to get there and how important it is to really investigate and really learn you know, how they approach something. So I just wanted to point that out. I think the way that he trains is really inspiring, um, just his holistic approach. And yeah, his nutrition is exceptional. Oh, one one cool thing, I, I think you saw this too, Hal. One of the uh, promo videos where you get a tour of Connor's house where you get to see how he lives and uh, he has this whole team that he brought over from Ireland and they lived in Vegas for whatever it was, two, three months leading up to the event recently. And you get to see how he lives, how he, how he eats, and he points out that they have rules that are posted on the refrigerator, and one of the rules is, you know, no, uh, nothing artificial is allowed into the home. And and Connor makes a joke at one point, and he says, if there's an apple pie in here, I'd eat the whole thing right now. <laughs> and so sweet. he had these rules not because he needed to be a superhuman, but because he knew what his flaws were. So they Mm. had rules that allowed those flaws to not come into play. I'm not, I don't know him well enough to know if he really would have succumbed to the temptation of the apple pie, but I thought it was a great lesson, uh, simplicity in how he managed his uh,
1: environment there. Uh, That's brilliant. And and I think that, yeah, it's so true. If, you know, don't, when I go to, I think I kind of have a similar thing. When I go to the store, I just, I only buy raw, vegan, organic, you know, foods. And then, because I know sometimes late at night, if I'm really hungry or just whenever, you know, I'm I'm weak, right? I'm weak. So, so I think that that's a great point of setting yourself up for success, Um, making it, you know, removing temptations, you know, from, from your view. Um, The, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, John, and I especially wanted to mention this because you and I have, have gone back and forth and have such different approaches, uh, which, you know, both, you know, kind of work in our own way. But one of Connor's uh, secrets to his success is unapologetic self-promotion and to the point where John mentioned when you know a lot of people are turned off by Connor i mean i'd say you know it's probably it's probably 60% or 70% love him and 30% can't stand him you know and uh, i'm making that number up i have no idea but uh, you know he's very brash he's very outspoken and and it could come across definitely as cocky i mean you could even say he's cocky but it's kind of in a fun playful way and the beauty of it and John you'll probably mention more about this later but is whenever the competition is over no matter how much you know smack he's talked about his opponent to kind of hype up the fight and get people interested he always Always goes over and he shakes their hand and he hugs them and he, he talks about how you know how grateful he is and how much he respects them I mean so, so there's that element but the unapologetic self-promotion he understands that he's you know he's he's got a personal brand and we all do we all have a personal brand and he understands that for him to get noticed, he couldn't. There's a lot of fighters out there that they're great fighters for the UFC, but they they're they're quiet, they're they're humble, or they're they're mild mannered, or they're introverts, or whatever, and they're not being paid very well because nobody they're not interesting and no one pays to see them. And so Connor, not not just the unapologetic self promotion, but the fact that he's decided that he's going to be dynamic, that he's going to put himself out there, and he's going to promote himself and and not you know not apologize for it. And, um, I think that John, you can speak on that, but you know, for me, I've always been, uh, re- I've realized, I don't know where I learned it a long time ago, but was, someone said, look, if you, I think it was, where I was writing my first book and they said, you know, no one's going to tell anyone about your book unless you do, you know, you have to not be afraid. And I was really kind of, I was actually very, I still, to this day, I'm very, I get nervous with promoting myself, but I just realized I have to do it myself out there. So John, your thoughts on Connor's self-promotion and, and any aspects of that?
2: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because when watching him, or I guess you could say anybody who is promoting themselves or their work, I think sometimes we have a temptation as the the person observing that to, to receive it as being very egocentric, you know, being about themselves. And I, what you're pointing out, Hal, that I think is really valuable and important to recognize is that depending on the line of work that you're in. So in your case, you're an author. Many of your audience members are solo entrepreneurs, right? I mean, 99.9% of quote unquote businesses or business owners have zero employees. These are, these are people that you are the creator operator and you have to be the chief promoter of your business, right? In Connor's case, he, uh, see, I was in the camp of thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is so full of himself. Yeah. But over time, I recognize that, um, that while that there might be some part of that, I recognize that he's really an intelligent business person, and he knows that if he can generate interest, mm-hmm. people are paying, they're buying that pay-per-view subscription, or they're coming to watch him fight, that that's kind of that's the bottom line for him, right? So I've seen that. And the other thing I've seen that tells me that he really, uh, he does deep down inside, have a part of him. And, and I now believe that who he really is, is not just about himself. But I notice that uh, when given a chance, even when it's not what's being talked about, he will go out of his way in an interview or a post-fight interview to recognize uh, his fans, to recognize his country, to recognize his team. And I've seen a lot of fighters, I've told you, there's certain fighters that I don't even enjoy watching them because I see them win. And you know, they're handed the microphone and they talk about themselves and how great they are. And there's nothing wrong with having pride in what we do. However, when I want to get behind somebody, I love the guy that first will honor everybody that helped him to get there. And so when you see that, you realize, wow, Connor might just be that smart that he realizes I need to sell this fight. And deep down inside, he's actually um, really, the type of person that recognizes and appreciates all of the people that helped him to get there. The only place, where I think people need to be careful with self promotion is, uh, and I don't think this is many in your audience, but I came from a world where I was in corporate America. And I think what's important is to figure out how to make sure that the good things that we do get recognized. That's just an environment where it has to be done differently, otherwise, it can be detrimental. But that's not your audience. Your audience, if they're like yourself, authors, solo entrepreneurs, they have to have that willingness that Connor has at an extreme level to go out there and promote what they're doing, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it is not trying to be liked by everyone like that. You know, that's something that I had to get over is just go, you know what? I've got to put it out there and some people are going to not like me. And, but, but those aren't my people like it's, you know, you're, you, you, you realize that uh, when you're a polarizing figure and you're, but you're yourself, you're authentically yourself and you're willing to self promote, uh, you're going to turn off some people and you're going to, but some people are going to, are going to resonate with it. Um, and, and really I wanted to respond to what you just said about, you know, how Connor acknowledges people and how important that is by John. I just want to take a moment to, acknowledge you uh, and the role that you've played, not only in this podcast episode, but uh, in my life as a friend and as a, a, a mentor. So thank you for that.
2: Hey, love you, buddy. Appreciate it, man.
1: <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I was just trying to get people to, to feel a certain way like I really, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so no, beyond that, uh, I want to talk about a couple more things before we wrap up. And, uh, and, and one is, uh, you know, Connor has, has had a relentless focus on a single goal. And I mean, that is so important, right? A relentless focus on a single goal. And he's had it for a long time. It was really interesting. He's 26 years old now. I think might might be 27. Uh, And they showed a video uh, of him, like a black and white video on an iPhone or something when he was, I believe, 19 years old. And he said to the camera, uh, hey, my name is Conor McGregor. Uh, I'm I'm a new new, uh, mixed martial artist. And he said, my dream is I will one day be the UFC champion and he just said it with such conviction at 19 and he, you know in, in some ways he had no right to i mean right he 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 was brand new he had, he hadn't won that many fights but that that goes back to the self belief but it also goes with the vision he had a vision a single goal a vision of being the ufc champion that he was committed to until right your what your mentor uh, john dan Cassetta, always talked about that that philosophy that until that you don't you don't set a goal and then try it for a little bit and if it doesn't work you just you give up you commit to a goal until you reach it. So any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, well, I, you know, the, what's interesting is that a lot of people uh, who are UFC fans uh, who've watched Conor in the last two years rise up from you know, his first official UFC fight to being recognized as a champion— and people often talk about how it looks like an overnight success or he's done so much so quickly. Yeah. But what's neat is you have the background and you've seen that uh, he was already seeing this happening you know, eight or nine years ago, uh, which is far from an overnight success. And I think it's just a good reminder for all of us that, again, we, we can sometimes look at somebody who achieves something and we think that we should be able to do something uh, in a certain period of time, because we think that's what others put into it. And we fail to see or have the patience to see that, um, that they may have spent two, three, four times the amount of time to get to where they were. So I just think that's an important observation. Yeah. Uh, and your point of just being singular in focus, uh, I think that creates energy, it creates clarity. And if you go back to who your audience is, how you have, you have so many folks who are entrepreneurial and you know, one of the great strengths of an entrepreneur is is the active mind and the ability to see opportunities and see ways to, to create solutions for people. And that active mind can also be the same. That can also be our weakness, right? Yeah. And so it's a great lesson for any of us to recognize the power of focus. Hey, if we put our energy into just one thing, uh, what could what could we get from that instead of scattering our energy across multiple projects of lesser importance in the long run, even though they all feel important in the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. It's <clears throat> the, Well, before I dive into the last point, I wanted to mention, uh, John, you mentioned watching videos on Conor, and I thought a great introduction video for anybody listening is just go to YouTube and type in Conor McGregor, Conan O'Brien. And he was on Conan O'Brien uh, just a few weeks ago before before the uh, the event that John and I went to in Las Vegas. So Conor McGregor is C O N O R, and then McGregor is M C G R E G O R. So go to YouTube, type in Conor McGregor, Conan O'Brien, and uh, and you'll you'll get an idea of Conor's you know kind of brash, confident uh, personality. Um, there's I wanted to just two things to wrap up, uh, John. I wanted to I wanted to quote Conor. I saw I was actually watching a video on Conor yesterday. And uh, he was talking about how strongly he believes in the law of attraction, and which really, he attra- I mean, law of attraction is what you might call visualizing success, right? It's putting your attention on what you want, keeping it there, and, and then you, you start to see that you attract either circumstances or people into your life or you attract yourself, kind of like a magnet. You pull yourself toward those circumstances that'll help you reach your goals. And uh, Connor said that when things are going good and you visualize more good things happening, that's easy, he said that's easy, but visualizing the good things, the things that you want, seeing your life as you want it to be when you're going through struggle, he said that's tough, but that's the key. You must visualize what you want, especially when you're in the midst of struggle and I thought that was just a, such a great quote, such a great philosophy of that when people are struggling, they often just, it goes back to their focus. They're focusing on what they don't want, what they're afraid of, what their bank account balance is versus seeing it as it as it could be.
2: Yeah, you know, it's I, I didn't know you were going to share that idea, Hal, but I really like that and I, I uh, when I think about myself and one of the habits that I have and I, I can reflect on this because I, I look over at one of my walls and... I've got a whiteboard attached to this particular wall and I, uh, whenever, I, whenever I get uh, what I would consider to be a lack of focus or I fall behind or I, I don't feel good about where I am in relation to the various goals that I have, one of the first things that I do is I erase the whiteboard and I rewrite what are my quarterly objectives, what are my monthly objectives, what do I want to get done this week and what do I need to do today? And the interesting thing is, I don't need to rewrite these. A lot of them are written down in other places. But just the act of requiring myself to write down what it is I'm trying to achieve, for me, it's one of the fastest ways to reconnect with where I want to go. And it's especially helpful. Like, I just got back from a family vacation. I didn't open my laptop the whole time. Yeah, it was such
1: per- a pain in the ass to get a hold of you. Jeez. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs>
2: See, there are consequences, but... Yeah. Uh, um, I chose to unplug, and that, that's just part of who I am—literally, entirely. And so, when I get back, there's a little bit of this overwhelm, this anxiety, which any of your listeners can relate to. And so, just like you said, this—it's one of those times where it's not as easy to think about what I want to achieve. So I force it by making myself write it down.
1: I love it. Yeah, that—that that magic that happens when you put pen to paper. I was—I uh, was actually visiting with John Lee Dumas yesterday, the—the uh, the host of the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast. And we were talking about the Miracle Morning and the Life Savers, and which of the savers were his favorite. And he said that scribing is his favorite. He said, and he talked about that when I put pen to paper, when I write something that's in my head, whether it's a goal or a challenge, and I put I I, I put it in front of me so I can see it. He said, then it becomes real, and then I can either overcome it or then I can achieve it. So. Uh, I love that. The the last thing that I want to share here, um, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about at all yet, John, is the the match that Connor was in uh, this, you know, last weekend or whenever we went to the event here. Um, So I want to just real quick give the circumstances and then something, an epiphany that I had as we were preparing for the, the main event. So, Connor was set to fight the world champion. Who is, his name is Jose Aldo. He's, he's undefeated for, like, nine years in a row. He's won, like, third... I don't even know all the numbers, but, I mean, he is one of the best fighters in the world. Undefeated. I mean, I think he's been beaten once, and it was, like, the, his first fight, and then he's never been beaten since then. So, unbelievable. So, Connor. They did this world tour over the last—it was like a one-month tour where they went to 16 countries. And, of course, you know, the champion's a little bit reserved and kind of introverted. And Connor's, you know, really a brash, and he's talking a lot. So about a, uh, maybe two weeks before the fight, the champion gets injured and has to pull out. And, you know, they they're trying to f- scramble to find who's the opponent going to be that's going to fight Connor. And they ended up going with uh, a former uh, top fighter, uh, Connor, or I'm sorry, Chad Mendez, who had gone five rounds and almost beaten the champion. So this guy's one of the best in the world and he is the best wrestler in their weight class. Now, not to go into too much detail, but Connor is not known as a wrestler and all of the criticism on Connor has been, they've never, the UFC has never put him against a really good wrestler. And if they did, he would lose because he has no background in wrestling. So this was arguably the worst possible matchup that Connor could have. I mean, honestly, worse than the champion. The odds of this guy Chad Mendez beating Connor potentially were more than the champion, because this guy was the best wrestler, and all he has to do is take Connor down and hold him down. So going into oh, well from first I have to tell you this, uh, when Connor's trainer got the phone call from UFC and they said, "Hey, um, the champion is injured. Connor's going to be fighting Chad Mendez." Now, most fighters, when they got that news, would have freaked out and gone, wait a minute. I've only got two weeks notice. I've been training for this other guy. I've got to fight the world's greatest wrestler now. No way. So the story as it goes is uh, Connor was asleep when his trainer got the phone call and his trainer went into his bedroom and, and tapped him and said, "Connor, Connor, hey, Jose Aldo's injured. It looks like you're going to have to fight Chad Mendes in two weeks. And according to his trainer, Connor opened up one eye and looked at him and grinned and said, they're all the same. I'm going back to sleep. And he went back to sleep. And that just shows his confidence. And here's what happened. So that leads into this, this last point. My, our, my good friend, Matt Record, that was with John and I in Las Vegas at this event, Matt and I are diehard fans, right? And we're, tr- we're still trying to convert John. We got Step one is over. He's gone to an event with us. He's becoming a fan. But Matt and I were there. He's getting there, but Matt and I were talking and, uh, and I was, I was, you know, I, I'm such a Conor McGregor fan and I love just, he's so entertaining and watching him. I thought if he loses, I'll be depressed because I want to see him fight for the championship and this particular match they made for what's called the interim championship. So I don't want to lose you. Stick with me. This is this is going somewhere very important. But the interim championship, which is basically like, it's, it's like, hey, since the champion is out and this was going to be a world title fight for the championship, we're going to make it like an interim championship. And then whoever wins that They will then fight the real champion to kind of unify the belts. So I wanted to see that. And I said, Matt, I'm so nervous. And Matt said, yeah, gosh, Chad is such a good wrestler and Connor doesn't have a background in wrestling. I'm afraid Chad's just gonna hold him down the whole fight and, and win the fight. And I said, yeah, me too. Then it hit me. Then it hit me. I said, Matt, there's one thing we haven't considered. And Matt said, what's that? I said, the power of destiny connor has designed his own destiny he's been designing it creating it living it implementing it for seven eight nine years and i said everything he predicted has come true and the destiny he created didn't end with him being second place the destiny that he's created for himself not a predetermined destiny that that, that fate created the destiny that he is creating, he designed it, he's creating it, ended with him being the world champion. And Matt kind of looked up and looked at me and goes, you know what? You're right. I mean, there's this this, this like unbelievable force that is Conor McGregor. Not because he himself was born special, but because of everything we've talked about on this podcast, the way that he lives his life the way that he approaches his goals, the extraordinary self-belief, the relentless focus, all of these things. And that background noise was John Berghoff. Once again, his last episode, everybody. Um, but uh, the, uh, where was I going with that? There was one. Of the, oh, oh, so, so real quick, I got And then John, I want you to share any thoughts on this. So get ready. Stop fooling around over there. But, the, so here's what happened so round one starts Connor McGregor runs at Chad Mendez right it's really intense Ch- Connor's throwing punches Chad's not doing so well but then Chad gets him on the ground and he wrestles him down and he holds him for the rest of the round and it was like every every Connor McGregor's fan including myself it was the worst nightmare it's like no this is what we were afraid was gonna happen Chad's gonna hold him down and and there's nothing Connor's not a good enough wrestler to get up so the round ends now I've got I've got to share one caveat Conor McGregor, you heard me say he's predicted everything. He's called everything he's going to do, when he's going to do it. He goes into a fight with a guy that's never been finished, and Conor says, "I will finish him in the first round." And the, the the analysts go, "There's, you know, that guy's never been finished, let alone the first round." And then Conor does it. Conor's done everything he said he was going to do precisely when and how he said he was going to do it. So going into this fight with Chad Mendes, he said, "I'm going to knock him out in the second round." And he actually, he tried to bet the owner of the UFC $3.5 million. He publicly tried to bet him $3.5 million that he would finish him. He would knock him out in the second round. So listen to how, how, how prophetic, is that the right word, John? Prophetic, I think it is. Yeah, I think so. How prophetic this is. So round two starts. Chad Mendez takes Connor down, and and you know, all of us are going, No, gosh, this is it's it's you know, ugh, this is gonna be what's gonna happen the whole fight. Chad holds him down, and Chad's now for those of you I, I hate to get too violent with you, but he, Chad's throwing elbows from the top and he's hitting Connor hard, and Connor's talking the whole time and smiling. And we're wondering what is Connor saying? Well, later we found out he was saying things like Chad, is that all you got? Is that all you got? So he's still talking, he's joking while he's in the fight. And with 20 seconds left in, the f- in, in round two, remember, he predicted he would knock Chad out in round two. With 20 seconds left in round two, Connor flips cha- Chad off of him, stands up. Now, he should be exhausted. When you've had someone on top of you for five minutes, that's exhausting. When <laughs> Sorry, we're on video chat and John is uh, entertaining me. But five minutes is exhausting. So Connor gets up 20 seconds left in the fight in round two. And with three seconds left in the fight, Connor hits Chad. Chad goes down. Knockout. Fight's over. Three seconds left in round two, and Connor fulfilled his prediction, his prophecy, to win the fight in a way that nobody thought possible and became the interim UFC champion. And now he'll go on to fight the. Uh, the main champion uh, for the belt. So, so any thoughts on, on that, John, that, that idea, the, the power of destiny, when you cre- you decide your destiny and you put everything that you have, every, all of your life force into making it a reality, kind of that unstoppableness that a human being can create for themselves. And Any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, Hal, I thought you did an exceptional job of describing the fight Especially considering everything I was doing to try and heckle you during your description.
1: (laughs) Thank you, thank you.
2: Um, Yeah, my thoughts on the comment of destiny. You know, I'll never forget 17 years ago when I first sat down in the San Jose office to sell Cutco knives. I was at my my first ever team meeting. And in the middle of the meeting, Dan Cassetta is running the meeting. And I'll never forget, he looks at me during the meeting and he just says... Look at Berghoff. I can see it in his eyes. He's going to be great in this business.
1: Hmm.
2: Now, when I look back and fast forward from that moment, I went on to be great in that business. However, I will tell you that I'm not the only person that Dan shared that with. And I share that story how what it has to do with destiny is, you know, his job as a leader was to instill in me the belief that I had some sort of destiny that I should be pursuing or creating. And whether or not he saw something that others didn't or he was able to speak that into existence, I'll never forget that what he did inspire me to believe in was that I could control my destiny, right? And there's that saying in in our moments of decision, our destiny is shaped. And uh, I think for your audience members, for them to think about All the time what decisions do they want to make that are going to be shaping their destiny and as we talked about earlier what language do i want to use when i talk with others about my goals because that it is in the moments that i'm discussing that i am redefining and recreating continuously what that future destiny is it's not what i wrote on the whiteboard it's not what i sent to somebody in an email and said hey here's what i want to achieve it's what we talk about and think about moment by moment that is creating that future. So I believe in it, Hal, and I I love that you brought that up as not just a reason why Connor was going to win his destiny, but a great reminder for all of us.
1: Fantastic. Well, John, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for joining me on uh, this episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I do appreciate it. I uh, oh, every-
2: appreciate it, buddy. Anytime, even if it's my last. Yeah, Anytime. just
1: yeah, if we if we ever do a future podcast, which the odds are slim to none, um, whenever I pause for an extended period of time, that's that's a sign for you to just go ahead and chime in with any thoughts that you have. So I will yeah. not pause. Yeah, I'm not I don't try I'm not gonna pause again the rest of this thing. I'm just gonna keep talking. All right, so All hey, right. achieve your goals podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you. Hope you got some value today and, and really implement it. And if I were if there were anything that I were to wrap up and say, it's you know, it's it's really just you design your destiny you design it what do you want your life to become get clear on that write it down
2: and how just in case anybody completely misunderstood this entire episode you don't need to go fight anybody to live a great life take care everybody
0: and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast so now hopefully you are ready to go out there and to create your own destiny so we want to know what were your big takeaways from this episode with John and Hal. Simply go to halelrada.com slash 085 for episode number 85. Just leave a comment there in the show notes page and let us know what your big takeaways were. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go leave a review on iTunes by going to halelrada.com slash iTunes and just clicking subscribe and then rating and review. Uh, That is really the best way for you to show your appreciation for this podcast because it helps other people find out about the show and realize if this is the podcast that can help them. So until next week, it's time for you to go out there, take action, and achieve your goals.